You are listening to The Yoni Codes, where every week we explore the secret mysteries of the divine feminine through the reclamation of motherhood, entrepreneurship, and relationship. Through the gates of your yoni and held within your womb are secret codes that, when activated, spark magic, healing, and rebirth. The Yoni Codes are the wisdom keys to harnessing your power, healing your lineage, and expressing your magic in the world. We believe that if every woman unlocks the Yoni Codes within themselves, the ripple effect will be the healing of our collective. I'm Melissa April. I'm Catherine Blanco. Let us dive into the mysteries together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Yoni Codes. Today, we are so excited. We are being welcomed by a guest of honor. Her name is Grace Harmon. She's a board certified dance and movement therapist and an embodied grief guide. And we're really excited to be bringing Grace on today. Uh, she came highly recommended uh, by uh, Jen and Jane. We interviewed them a couple months ago and Catherine and I were just touching on grief a few weeks back. So we had an episode yeah. called growing through grief. And I, I told Grace about the show and we were talking on the aspect of grief as it relates to growth, like our own personal evolution and expansion and how it really pertains to the creation process. So anytime we're creating anything, there's a part of us that has to let go of old aspects of ourselves, beliefs, sometimes even people, relationships. And there's a whole grief process that I think in our industry and in the, you know, in this spiritual industry and in the healing arts industry, there's definitely a lot of bypassing that happens, emotional bypassing, spiritual bypassing. And so we really want to call this stuff out. So we've had people reaching out, thanking us for this episode. Everybody has a different angle and, and why it speaks to them and what they're moving mm -hmm. through. So I'm, I'm actually really, really excited because we haven't really brought in a whole lot of the death part of the rebirth cycle. So Grace, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Can you just start by letting us and the audience know, like, what is it that you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be here. Um, essentially, my work is to help people connect to their bodies to process grief. And I always like to just name that when I say embodied grief guide, I'm not talking about like any particular kind of grief. I'm just drawing attention to the way that grief lives in the body and the fact that grief is an embodied experience at its core, right? So any loss that we experience hits the body first, long before our minds, long before our families, our systems, our jobs, like whatever else around us catches up, our bodies know. And especially if your loss um, was not sudden when it was like expected, right? Often the body starts to grieve before the actual loss happens. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's what I do. I work individually, I work with groups, I work, I do courses um, and I'm really, just always learning and always fascinated and always so moved by the way that 
just tuning into how grief lives in the body and giving it space to move intuitively does exactly what you said. It really can transform our experience of ourselves, our connection to our bodies, our connection to spirit, and our connection to each other, you know, in a, in a way that is really powerful and ripples out in, you know, many ways that I can't even see. So can you share with us, like what brought you into this work? Like what was your rebirth that brought you into this realm of grief? Cause it's so powerful as you're explaining how you work with it. And, and I'm sure it's so different depending on the person, how it sort of manifests in the body and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But what really like was the pull into this work? Yeah. Well, the pull was sort of twofold. So one of the, so the main pool is that I lost my mom in 2018. Um, I have two moms, but I lost the mom who gave birth to me of metastatic breast cancer. And so that was like the one thing, but the other thing that was happening at the same time is I was just beginning this master's program in dance movement therapy and counseling, which meant that I really had to stay in my body during my grief process, because I had to learn how to do my job. And for those who don't know, dance movement therapy is just a form of embodied therapy. It's not like you're dancing around and playing. It's it's like a therapy. (laughs) Um, And so I had to really stay present to my grief and keep my body open and keep this connection to my body fluid so that I could learn how to do my job. And what that really led to was this like full body transformation um, as well as a really profound spiritual connection and shift. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll go into like the nitty gritty of how that actually happened, but that's kind of, that was the the push to, to what brought me here. Wow. It's so powerful so powerful and do you feel that um you had to go through some level of like surrender in order to be able to share this work with others like the that vulnerability that that is required of this work in order to meet meet others where you've been yeah for sure I mean I think it's important to say that I didn't start to hold space for others until like a year ago and yeah. you know, she died in 2018. So it's not like I was going right yeah. off being like, I'm ready to do this. You know, it took yeah, of course. some time. And I love what you, I love that you brought in the word surrender because there really does have to be this surrender to the grief process and to the way that it lives in our bodies for it to actually move, right? And it's always interesting. So all of my sessions have some aspect of unguided movement that's based on authentic movement. And it's always interesting to me when people start from standing because I'm like, you're, that tells me that your body is not surrendering right now. Mm. Like there's a part of you that is still like trying to be strong and like 
you know, vertical and like, you know, up mm-hmm. and not down into the earth, not down into the, the un- what I call the underworld of grief, right? That gives um, me chills. Yeah. It's like, gotta stand strong, gotta stand tall, gotta like, mm. just put on yeah. the mask. Keep right? Yeah, keep your chin mm-hmm. up. It's so much that's so like cultural in its yes. teaching, right? And how we embody that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every time when I see people, like the more without, that we keep on with our work, the the more their bodies surrender into the process. And there's always like a, you know, a, a, a couple sessions where there's like a release, you know, and that's the release of a body that's so desperate to be expressed of a grief that's so desperate to get out authentically. Um, and then that's what creates a space for movement. That's what creates the space for the change that really needs to happen. That's so incredibly powerful. I was just thinking, I've been talking a lot about surrender in my work and Catherine and I have been talking a lot about it as well on the show mm-hmm. about how it, it really is something that you feel in your body. Like it's not something that you can just understand cognitively and then apply. It's mm-hmm. something it's like our, it's like coming back to the body's knowing of how to process this kind of energy that's inside mm. and around. And mm. uh, I know for me anyway, in my pregnancy, if I had one pregnancy, well, I've had a couple of pregnancies, but um, my twins, I really had to practice. I had to not practice, sorry. I had to allow surrender to happen. I had to allow myself to be taken by the process of surrendering. And here at the Yoni Codes, we talk a lot about birth and um, how this informs so much of how we live and what it can really teach us and death, what it can really teach us and like grief and like these really raw emotions and surrender. And like, what does this look like? It's like, well, you look to these big life events and like, this is where you learn the surrender process. Cause I hadn't up until that point really experienced that in my body. Cause there's nothing you can do. You can't escape it. Like there's nowhere to go except you're here and you're just here in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you're saying this, I just get like chills, like up and down, up and down. Cause it's like, we, this, we need this like programmed into every cell of our being as a society. So we can start dealing with the waves of grief and pain and sadness that need alchem- alchemizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love what you said about the remembering because I'm often reminding people that our bodies really know how to grieve. Like they really know how to carry grief. They really actually know intuitively how to move it. The problem is, of course, because of capitalism and patriarchy and racism and all the things that we've been so disconnected. We've been disconnected from our bodies in this really um, crucial way. And that so much of what I'm doing is just helping people remember. And that is why the way that I approach grief is so unique because I'm not like giving a set of tools. I'm not like giving it's not like skill building. It's like your body is actually remembering how to hold your pain so that it doesn't block you. And so that you're not consumed by it and you're not stuck in it. 
And that's something that you'll need for life. You know, it's like a life skill. Yeah. I just think of like, I guess the narrative of like, you know, grief strikes and then that image of just like standing tall, chin up. It's like, Mm -hmm. it almost, it's like we can let it harden us Mm -hmm. or we can let it soften and open us to actually blossom into more of who we are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what a gift that can actually be for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it really is a teacher. It's a, it's an ever present teacher in the, the act of softening into pain, like keeping a heart open amidst pain. Mm. Um, and the more that you do that, the more that you allow that softening, the more that your body learns that it's one, that the grief won't consume it forever. And two, that, it's okay to feel pain. Like it, it will not break you. So. It sounds like, so like setting, setting the, the surroundings, like putting yourself in a place that feels safe to allow yourself to go there. Very, very similar that to physiological childbirth, right? Like oh, you can't, you can't allow yourself to open and surrender in and also feel fear at the same time. It's, there's that, that honoring. So it's, so when I hear you speaking, I'm like, oh, it's like you're midwifing grief or holding space as like, to allow the grief to blossom. And I just get this really beautiful image in my mind around it. And it's, I have been called oh, really powerful life before. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you, you said that. Yeah. Well, and then as you guys are talking, I'm like, it's like you're giving birth to grief. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I guess grief can represent a lot of negative negativity or negative thoughts, ideas, memories. But I think also when I think of dance too, especially it's like, it's such an art form. Right. And when we really allow ourselves to like, take away what we look like and take away how, you know, getting it right. It's like, we're surrendering to a form of art Mm -hmm. and we are all creators. We are all Mm -hmm. divine artists. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like when we're birthing grief, we're birthing art and beauty into the world. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about it that way, like birthing grief, because I think of, I often think of grief as just like something that we carry, but I guess it's like we birth into a new version of ourselves when we let, when we let the surrender happen. That's yeah. what I've experienced. Yeah. Well, it's like energy can't be created or destroyed. It's only changed into something different. Right. And it's the metamorphosis, the, the chrysalis the becoming of the butterfly right and i mean we're it sounds like we're romanticizing grief right (laughs) but it's just this this i just see like the circle of life and the circle of rebirth which is the circle of life yeah or even like i'm thinking about it as like maybe a snake losing its skin and the skin is the grief and like you're you come through a more refined version of you after you let it go (laughs) my teacher my one of my 
mentors, she, she lives in Australia and she, we were talking about <laughs> molting and shedding. And she was like, I just found this today. It was like an omen from a Python that shed its skin. And it was like this huge snake and it was like white silver skin. It was so gorgeous. Mm. I was like, how can I get one of those? Like it was, it was so beautiful, but it's like, that's what we're leaving behind. And mm. And it's, it is almost, it's kind of like this beautiful, like work of art, this piece of art that mm-hmm. is like, um, it's like it no longer serves. Yeah. It's like, we no longer have to yeah, carry it, but, but there's honor to be served to it mm-hmm. for that transformation. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes when, um, you know, as you talked about earlier, there's like, there could be a lot of like spiritual bypassing of grief. So I want to be be clear that that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about transformation. I think that sometimes people hear that and they think like, okay, so I just like do a thing and then I'm supposed to be all different. And it's it, what I really want to just remind people is that if you let it, grief will change you into the person you need to be it's not really a choice. It's not like something that you get to really control. It really is about that surrendering. And that if you let your your body feel it and you let your body move it, you will become who you need to be without your person or your pet or your place or your child or whatever, whoever you're grieving. But that prepares your body to be who you need to be, not about like, being better than you were necessarily, but certainly who you must be. That's a really powerful way to look at it. I don't think I've ever thought of it like that before. Yeah, the person you need to be to mm-hmm. carry out whatever mission, whatever soul contracts or whatever like is in this life. And yeah, I think we can deny ourselves that that process when we don't let ourselves really move through the the painful parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because then our bodies never get to learn how to be with pain and how to be with grief and be present to it. You know, then like, you know, we go to all the different distractions and all of the, all the ways that, that this culture has provided us to not be with our shit. Why do you think that is? Like, why, why can we not be with our shit? Like, why, why, why have we been trained to deny that part of ourselves? Well, capitalism, Mm -hmm. you know, if you, if people were conscious and like got to actually feel their feelings and take time and space, then we wouldn't be able to work for the machine. Mm, yeah that's what I see is the truth yeah mm. yeah that resonates I'm thinking of like modern day medicine and I know there's a time and a place for everything of course but I think you know the the pharmaceutical industry definitely profits off of our pain yeah I mean every industry does like yeah oh yeah right <laughs> people can't take sick days you know, um, let alone like take, take the proper time to grieve, you know, which is, 
right? Which is why I'm always like, I, I hear this probably the most often, which is like, I don't have time to grieve. I don't have time to grieve. I don't have time to grieve. And I just like to really simplify it for folks because yes, I know we all live our busy lives and it only takes about 20 minutes a day of grief time to experience a shift and to teach your body and teach your grief that there is a place for it to go. Um, and once you let yourself and like commit to that ritualizing process, you can, like you can grieve and live your life, but it's all about intentionality. It's like, will you make space for your grief or not? Well, and I think you say, yeah, like it's only 20 minutes, but in, if you don't take that intentional time or spend, put intention and ritual into it, it's going to actually take a lot more time totally. to, to alchemize these things because it, it probably is going to manifest in a different way in most likely in our bodies. Yes. Right? Totally. With illness or other, or other things. So we're, it's, I don't think there is a way to fully bypass our grief no. in, in any sort of way, whether we're being intentional around it or not it needs to go somewhere. And mm -hmm. so why not be intentional about it? <laughs> right? yeah. Like it, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh. oh no, go ahead. No, just that I think that in so many ways, you know, we're still catching up to mm -hmm. the fact that our minds and bodies are connected and um, not a separate thing at all. And so, yeah, when there's nowhere for the grief to go, it, it just goes deeper inside. And then it it's just harder to unravel later. It's not that it doesn't, it's, it's actually, that's like one of my favorite things is working with people who have sort of old grief that's making them feel stuck in, in other areas. Um, mm. But it's not gonna unravel by talking about it. It has to be in an embodied way. That's so powerful. I, it's like our, our bodies are the last, okay. Do you agree with this? That our bodies are the last thing to um, really take in process and like almost embody whatever energetic transformation or shift. It's like, we can go through the emotional upgrades, the mental upgrades. And then it's like, almost like the body is the last thing to fully receive it. And mm. Yeah. I think for me, it's been the opposite. Mm. Like I, like I start with the body and I start with how it's like, whatever is living in me. And then the other shit happens from there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, you know, people have, are different. Some people are top down processors. Some people are bottom up. Just depends on who you are. Right. I think I see a lot of people in my line of work anyways, who, it's like the body is the last thing to really, it's like, you can understand things mentally. Mm -hmm. You can feel things and feel the shift, but then to embody it mm. is like sort of that last step. And. Oh, I, uh, I get what you mean. Yeah. I think I was, I was, um, I'm thinking of feeling it in the body as like the same thing. Oh yeah. Hear what you're saying. Like 
yeah, yeah. to really like there's like there's a, a difference between letting the grief feeling the grief and letting it move you and then like being the person right you are as a result of that yeah totally. yeah mm-hmm. yeah but I think it's, I don't know if it has anything to do, because I used to think that it was like our body because it's just like here on earth right now. And it's like the cells need time to like regenerate. And, you know, our body has to go through a, a longer healing period than it would be on like a spiritual level, like an energetic level. Things can happen really quickly, but then the body takes the slower time. But now as we're talking, I'm like, I wonder if it's just a matter of us remembering, relearning how to use our bodies first Mm -hmm. to almost be the, the conduit or the, the, you know what I'm saying? Like the line for the emotional, mental, energetic process to move through. Mm. It's like really, maybe it would actually make it faster if we could embody it first. Like if we could move into the embodiment practices before our mind even catches up totally and that's like what I see all the time with my clients so it's like so we'll start we'll start to move and and often there's a lot of resistance at the beginning it's like oh I don't want to move I don't want to move and then just when the movement begins and then like all this stuff comes out that they needed in that moment and I get a little sassy sometimes I'm like oh is it because like you moved your grief <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we laugh about it but I always like to remind people that like you're the reason your body hurts in grief is because you're trying to live without it's literally trying to figure out how to live without the one or the thing that you're grieving mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's that recalibration process that we, you cannot rush but you have to be present to so it can actually integrate what is your, I know you said it like takes 20 minutes a day. If I you, mean, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, I'm not, not prescriptive at all. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's like as long as if, if you have the intention to work on it daily and put energy towards it, mm-hmm. um, but the intent, the, the desire to do so has to be there. What about for people who have kids? Cause I've, I've bumped up against this with um, people who have young kids who have, say, lost a, lost somebody in their life or are going through a divorce or whatever. And it's like, I can't, I'm like, it's, you know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to like feel your emotion. Like it's, I don't think that that's traumatizing to a child, but there's this narrative, there's this belief that, that it will, and that you can't let your child see you in these moments of grief, and you can't let your child see you processing the grief in whatever way you you and your body want to process it. And what do you? I'm sure you've run up against that maybe in your work. And how do you? What do you say to that? Like, what's what's how how would you get through to these people? <laughs> well, I think there's a couple things. I, always, I like to talk about grieving as a creative process, right? And so one, it is what you said, like unlearning and or practicing being vulnerable in front of your kids, right? And I always like to remind people that, pe- that like kids don't need you to be a, like perfect. Kids don't need you to be 
like a you know June Cleaver kids actually just need you to know that you're there for them and I'm sure that if you happen like I'm imagining I don't know a two-year-old who's like drawing in the corner or something and say you have your your altar right there and you're like okay they're safe I'm just gonna like tune in for a second, feel my grief. You can invite them into the process with you. You can say like, hey, do you wanna, do you wanna move with me? Do you wanna, do you wanna like, maybe they're grieving like a grandparent or, or somebody that they know. And if it's like a young baby, like an infant, you know, I think there is something really healing about holding like a child in that, like that rocking. Mm-hmm. Um, because the longer that I do this, the more I realize that grief work is really inner child work, you know? Mm -hmm. And the act of bringing a child into your grieving process is also like attuning to your own inner child. It's also giving Mm -hmm. space for that to be there. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a parent, like I'm sure there's lots of safety (laughs) concerns that I didn't like touch on. But um, I think there's some, there's a real potential for children to, to just experience like the full breadth of life, the full breadth of emotion. Um, and it always makes me sad because when I talk to adults who, you know, never got to go to funerals or like were sort of left out of rituals around death, um, because I think kids really need to be a part of that. I think kids really need to understand that death is, something that happens because that will prepare them to be more open-hearted adults around their own losses, you know? So it's both for ourselves and our children, right? Like if we don't give our own grief the time to process, then every loss feels like a huge, gigantic tragedy because your body is not ready to hold it. Mm. And therefore like the, the the like physiological thing that the body does is like tense try to protect hold, hold in right and by the same token if your child sees that they see that you protecting and holding and like trying to not trying to be a stone like around your grief around them they won't know that it's safe for them to do it they won't know that it's safe to to unfold and to surrender and to be soft and to be open, you know, and to be sad. So, you know, all parenting is really modeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I can, as a, as a mother of four, I can definitely speak to, to that being a really powerful way to show your children around about grief and and death when um I have two mothers um and when my other mother sometimes I call Gloria my other mother when my other mother's mom passed away she was more like a grandmother to me than any of my other like biological grandmothers and when she passed away um I actually was driving with Gloria to say goodbye and my my biological mother was with Baba and and she actually passed before we got there and my husband went to pick up Sarah from school 
that day because I was there at the, at the, um, at the home, like the retirement home. And she wanted to come. So Jose brought Sarah to, to the place and we thought she just wanted to be there, like just around where Baba lived. And she was like, no, like I want to see her. And she, gosh, how old was Sarah? She was, she was about seven or eight. Like, so, and she went up and wanted to see her, her great grandmother, like, Mm. and to feel her, to know, and she touched her and, and was able to really like understand. And we were shocked that she would, she would want to interact with her. And um, and I think that that imprinting has helped her today to handle other griefs that have come up in my lives. So, um, well, and then, yeah, like, so it's interesting for well, sure to like not hide these things from our kids that yeah. their innate wisdom and inherent knowing is something we can learn from. So totally. Really powerful. Yeah. I mean, there's such like a huge cultural fear around death and like Mm -hmm. you know that's why there's all this like bullshit about the how like grief being like a time-limited process and you just like do the funeral and then basically you're supposed to be good right um and yeah i think when we can just sit with our own discomfort when we can sit with our own our own fears around that and when we can just sort of open up to that then yeah I mean it prepares all of our lines like our future lines and our ancestors right like mm-hmm. I'm always aware when I work with people of their ancestors whether or not we speak to it there's like mm-hmm. that's the power of embodied work right like it goes goes both directions um, absolutely And there's lots of traditions, you know, that talk about like adults being or children being closer to, um, you know, to that, that line between this world and this realm and the next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to me. That's interesting. My dad died when I was 22. Mm -hmm. And uh, just as we're talking, I'm thinking back to how I dealt with it and how it was this very like surreal experience and I didn't have the greatest relationship with him but it was it's like I'm not just grieving him as my dad not physically being here but everything that I didn't have didn't get from him and all of the things like the healing that I I feel like could have happened in that relation and so there's so much that you're processing and as a 22 year old like my my go-to was like well let's just drink like let's uh yeah. You know, totally. let's feel this for, yeah, it's been a month, like onwards and upwards. And I was like, I'm doing really great. Like I'm proud of myself for how quickly I got over that. Yeah. And, and I just um, spread my dad's ashes in 2019 in the fall. Actually, that's mm-hmm. interesting because I got pregnant with the babies and had a hell of a time getting pregnant and had a couple of miscarriages in there and I got pregnant early in 2020 but in 2019 in the fall in October I I finally released his ashes that was after he died in 2007 so 
Mm-hmm. I can't do math, but that's a long time. <laughs> 2022 minus 2007, go for it. Um, and it was like, I was finally at the space where I could actually let it go. And like my body releasing, like softening and like allowing that grief to actually come through and touch me opposed to blocking it, blocking it, blocking it, blocking it, blocking it, blocking it, blocking it. And having, you know, similar, my, one of my, my mom's fiance, he passed away in a very similar way to my dad. And I was there and it was almost like reliving Mm. the experience. It's just interesting. Like the process that I kind of went through and how I slowly and systematically shut myself down, numbed myself out. And then when I was finally ready to release, it was like, then my body was ready to accept. Yes. You know, and maybe I know there's so many other variables and factors in there, but I, I can't help but feel like energetically there was something something really powerful shifting. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really like coming back into my body around that time as well. So. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And what you said about like your, your stepfather, I think you said about like how he died a similar way, like your body remembers. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like, I like lost my shit. I think it was about 20. It wasn't my stepdad. It was my, um, my mom's fiance, but yeah. you know, it was still an important part and person in our life. And it, it was very, it was re-traumatizing and it poked that wound that to me was open and, you know, it was open and then it was shut and I had dealt with it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, I'm clutching to his ashes everywhere I go. <laughs> Get rid of it. <laughs> It's just so interesting. Oh my goodness. Um, Wow. Yeah. And then now having two little ones of my own thinking about the, you know, how, how am I going to teach them to process grief and everything from yes, when they lose somebody they love who dies or they break up with somebody or something else happens or they, you know, get fired or like so many ways that grief ends up coming up. It's like, we're teaching them from such a young age, how to live yeah. by dealing with our grief. Yes, oh, absolutely. Well, I feel like nature is the easiest way to teach our kids around that. Oh. Like, right. Like just, it's, I think I, that's what I come to find. It's like the easiest way for them to be tangible around, around death yeah. at a young age. That's my favorite way to go about it. And then you can be physical in, in nature as well and, and, and do rituals with physical things because we are such physical beings. I feel like it can't just live in the head. Like, I just love your work, Grace. I feel like it's so powerful and unique and I wish it wasn't so unique. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like I yeah. wish everybody had a grief embodiment guide. Like, you know, like that, like this feels like it. we need to be talking about this more and it should be just like you're going to your yoga class. Like, oh yeah, I'm hitting up my grief embodiment guide later on for a session I just need to move this like (laughs) I didn't get that job I want to move this grief so I can move on you know like uh, wouldn't that be awesome if this was just normal if this was the medicine that we were leaning towards opposed to you know social media Netflix 
totally all, the things. <laughs> all of the things. <laughs> that's the, that's what I'm trying to do, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> ultimately, that's what, I, that's, that's the world that I want to live in. Um, I don't know if it'll happen before I die, but, um, but just to really start to, yeah, open up the conversation and just make it less taboo, right? Because I think there's still so much like eggshell walking when, when the topic, even the word grief, like I just invite anybody who's listening to just notice what's happening in your body as we talk about this, right? And mm. what, is the, what are the parts of you that are, are starting to open or close or feel scared or feel nervous or feels excited? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the I was just doing a group this, this morning and we were moving the boundary around their grief, like not just the boundary of like, between their grief and the world, but also between like themselves and their grief. Mm. And I was reminded of that when you were talking about the, like your grief wasn't touching, it wasn't touching, it wasn't touching. And then it was like, it was touching you, like the boundary was gone. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. When you can let it go, again, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience with actual physical death. It's like, I was able to, much, much more easily accept it and um, work with it and be like rich, you know, create a ritual and a ceremony to really honor that process. Once I was able to dissolve that, that boundary, that barrier. Mm -hmm. And that actually was actually on the backbone of of, a really traumatic miscarriage too. And I felt like that process really opened me up to releasing a lot of identities and labels and really just like an ego death Mm. and a lot of I know you were speaking to like the underworld a lot of like really going into the underworld of Mm. myself and and probably like and my grief and then I was able to I think really alchemize that after you know over a decade of holding that um holding on to that but yeah what a so much space in your body yeah Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting too. And Catherine and I were talking about this before we hopped on, but I'm curious, like, ha- do you work with anybody? Have you worked with anybody with um, like miscarriage? And because that's a whole other kind of grief and loss mm-hmm. that is very um, hush hush in our society. Mm-hmm. Like oftentimes a lot of people who like, I've had friends who've gone on to have miscarriages who didn't have miscarriages at the time that I had my miscarriage, I was felt very alone. Mm. And now that they've had theirs, they're like, oh my God, like, I am so sorry mm. if I didn't quite understand, if I wasn't there for you the way that you needed me, because now I'm just, and now I'm understanding it. And it's like, because we're not talking about it and bringing these stories down mm-hmm. and in every area of grief, but I think when it's in your body and you're you know, it's attached to you, it's in you. And then you're going through this literal physical process of grief and loss. Mm-hmm. And, and then on top of that, we need to like, like take the pill, mm-hmm. get it out, let it pass naturally, you know, whatever, do a DNC, whatever floats your boat and just get on with it. Yeah. Don't yeah. talk about it. Don't make anybody uncomfortable. Right. Or people who go full term and then have still, like, it's just. 
Totally. I mean, yeah, I, my work is really, um, it's designed for people who are like grieving a person to death. And I also work with people that want to work with me. So if, if somebody who's grieving a miscarriage is, um, is drawn to is drawn to my approach is drawn to my process and of course that's such an important such an important like grief to to move because as you said it is like literally physically life was there and now it's not in your body Mm -hmm. um and you know i'm just it, it brings up for me so many things about like oh birth and the like the fear of death and birth and like the, the ways that, that, that possibility is like covered up and not talked about and, you know, pushed under and yeah, there's so much there. I know Catherine can speak more to that because you sit with so many women who have been through that portal. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's an area of grief, like Melissa said, it's so shrouded in like, shame and um so isolating um and i feel like there is a big gap in how we support support these people who are experiencing these these experiences so yeah and i think i think that the way that your your embodiment works is like how you were talking about like we can't just talk about this stuff it, we need to get into the body we need to release it so yeah yeah but there totally. there could be you no know, whole people that could definitely benefit from from your work in that realm for sure even even grieving how their birth experience unfolded and the grief that's held in the body there too oh it's, totally yeah yeah, I mean, the womb space, the sacral area in general is, it's often a space that can really get kind of stuck if we don't, um, yeah, let the grief move. And always what I see is like, there's just so much freedom that opens up in that lower belly area um, mm-hmm. and in people's creative expression and in their relationships and you know, it really is like I grief is like the doorway, you know, and then mm. that comes whatever whatever healing needs to come. Um, yeah, I mean that really makes sense too, right? It's like life starts in the womb, mm-hmm. and no, and of course we would feel it in mm. that space as well for all people, whether you have a physical womb or not. Totally. Like we, we feel that there, you feel it, the gut of your stomach, right? It hits you so hard. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I see like yeah. whenever I see um, like folks in the military walking down the street, I'm like, those are some tight hips. Like, I yes. just <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. feel it, you know? Um, yeah. I guess you could start to really tell by how a person like holds their body and how they walk, mm-hmm. how, they, how they dance, how they, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> but, and then, and then not to mention, you know, we're carrying so much from past lives and like, there's a lot of like karmic imprint in that space. Um, and it's the space that governs creativity, sexuality, inner child. Yes. And wow. Like, yes. mm. 
So I just kind of want to come back to um, when we first started talking about how you kind of came into this. So you were, you weren't aware, were you aware during this process, moving through your training um, and when you're, when you went through that loss of your own, were you aware how it was going to come together? Like, did you have that idea or did you not know until kind of long after? Um, yeah, it was pretty, you know, I had a lot of experiences where I was like, okay, this is what I meant to do. Like, mm. This is choosing me. And mm. the first one was um, when I was doing my thesis in grad school, which was about, I was interviewing um, embodied practitioners and their experiences of like a heightened spirituality following a loss. And I guided people through a very similar process to what I now do. And one of the people, she was like, you know, like you could, you could do this. Like you could, you could get paid for this. This, this could be like a thing. And I was like, no, oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like the first seed. Um, and then, yeah, you know, time went on. I finished grad school. I got a job, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it was the murder of George Floyd in the summer of 2020 that sort of brought that back up again. And um, yeah, I started holding grief circles and, and yeah, I mean, with given the, the murder that just happened, the, you know, the racist shooting that just happened in Buffalo, I'm sitting deeply always, but, you know, with the connection between like white supremacy and grief and, and the real like, responsibility that I think white people have to process our grief because as we know you know grief can really block us our own grief can really block us from being present in the world and from having energy to to change the world in the ways we want to so Mm. yeah there's there's so many layers but that was the those were like sort of the two big big moments wow that's such powerful work. So what had to die for you for this Ooh. whole rebirth to happen and for mm. you to really step into your power as this kind of change maker? Just my feet on the floor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> open my little space. Um, <laughs> gosh, what had to die love this question so much I mean there is there's like a lot of different layers and levels but I think one of the things that really had to die was I don't know if there's a nice way to say this but just like caring what people thought um like giving a shit about what people think of me (laughs) um and that is you know it's a I think as people were always like taking in what, you know, messaging from other people, but, um, but getting in connection with my body and with my grieving process, it really, and I hear this from people all the time. It really kind of, kind of weeds out, like who are your people and who are not your people? Mm -hmm. Um, Who can be with you in your ugliest, most vulnerable self and who can't, you know? And therefore, like, 
getting in touch with myself meant that I wasn't concerned in the same way that I was before with, with people's opinions about me, you know, with that, with their stories about me, with their projections. Mm. Um, I think pretty early on it, it, it was like, I mean, it was like, it was like my mom's spirit sort of like moving through me. And I was like, this is, this is the, the sole work that I meant to do. Um, it's really not like a choice. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it would be a choice to turn away from it, but it would honestly be so much harder to do that at this point. Um, and I wouldn't want to. So that's, the, that's the big thing is like letting that, um, you know, that, that people pleasing that like, you know, all the shit that we carry um, about needing to be digestible. I wasn't concerned with being digestible anymore. Mm. Oh, that's such a good one. That's the one. I wasn't concerned with being digestible. And, um, and as always, right, the people that were here for were really here for it, you know, and the, and the people that weren't, weren't, that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we owe it to ourselves to, to not worry about being digestible and know that we will bring the people who are meant to be with us, um, just by being ourselves, you know, and being really, really real and really kind of ugly vulnerably yes oh my god yes like (laughs) yeah we talked a lot about a lot of this stuff on the show (laughs) but this is I think for so many of us and uh you know I know for a lot of the people who tune into the yoni codes and certainly Catherine and I and our communities you know this is such a prevalent thing of like the people pleaser, caring so much about what other people think, watering ourselves down so that we're not too much for other people, mm-hmm. you know, and we're all about being a space for people to be all of who they are, yeah. all of their allness, just yeah. bring it and lay it all out there because there's no way that we can fully do the work that we're meant to do the world, be the, the person that we know is inside of us. And as we're talking, I'm like this grief aspect, the death aspect of the rebirth cycle is imperative to fully shed this bullshit. Yes. Bullshit stories, (laughs) right? Because we can say, step into your power, birth your most authentic, most fully expressed self and like rah, rah, rah. Yes. And it's not going to fucking happen unless you properly pay respect and honor the death part of the rebirth cycle yeah Mm -hmm. and also your body won't know how to hold the rah 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 yeah Mm. yes there won't be space for it yeah there won't be space for it and it won't really get you like you won't get to really feel the power of that um if you Mm. haven't felt the the power of your grief right if you haven't felt the power Mm. of your death Wow. Oh my gosh. I feel like we can just like work, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like we can dive into like so much. (laughs) Maybe we'll bring you back on again. Yeah. (laughs) Part 
two or three or four. yeah no it'd be really fun actually that would be really great I would love that okay so before we wrap things up we gotta uncover our yoni code for the episode so the yeah. yoni code every episode um Grace if you haven't tuned into our sh- you know the shows it's Connecting to our womb wisdom, connecting to that primordial feminine intelligence that lives within all of us that is able to extract the wisdom from life Mm. and from these conversations, these raw conversations that we're having in order to teach us how to live more fully. So Mm. there's so much in here, but if you were to tap into like the yoni code, that wisdom, that feminine intelligence within your sacral, within your womb space around grief, what would that nugget be? It's it's safe to be wounded. Mm. I just got chills. Yes. It's safe to be wounded. You need to feel safe in order to surrender mm-hmm. so, so honoring that we're safe to be wounded leads us to our healing yes mm-hmm. and in that like the body will release what it needs to when it feels safe mm. yeah like, mm-hmm. I, in my work I really trust the body I really trust what is here in the body right now and I know that what needs to get moved and released will if the body's given space to guide the process. Mm. So just, you know, to anyone who's listening, I trust your body and the more that you can trust your body to do what it needs to do and the safer you can make yourself, the, the easier it will be. Wow. Oh my gosh. That was like seven yoni codes, but... <laughs> that is the that's a fantastic yoni code oh my goodness thank you so much Grace. thank yeah. you so much so we're gonna have everything in the show notes for all you listeners but you can find her on instagram at move your grief and she also has a patreon channel which is called move your grief and again her bio everything that you need to follow her get in touch with her, lean into this whole world of grief and the magic that it brings. You'll have all of that information in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Grace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. Really lovely to share space with both of you. Thank you so much. Bye everybody. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this Yoni Code. If this episode moved, inspired, or flat out entertained you, please head over to iTunes and give us five stars or share with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at the Yoni Codes to continue the conversation. Oh, and make sure to click on the link in the profile for other ways to connect. We look forward to unlocking the next Yoni Code together.